Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, verses 28 through 34. Now one of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that Jesus answered them well, he asked him, which commandment is first of all? Jesus answered, well, the first is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, you're right, teacher. You have truly said that he is the one and besides him there is no other and to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself. This is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to the scribe, you are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to ask him a question. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Amen. Let's pray together, if we may. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this passage of Scripture which pushes us and makes us to think and ponder your call upon our lives. Bless now the hearing of your word. Speak to us, O oh God, we pray. Speak that we might hear your word for us this day. It is my prayer that you'd speak through me and if necessary, in spite. Speak, O oh God, that we would hear your word for us this day. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Augustine once wrote, Whoever, therefore, thinks that he or she understands the divine scriptures or any part of them, so that it does not build upon the double love of God and neighbor, does not understand it at all. So I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Uh, basically, I have two sermons. You've been hearing me long enough to recognize that probably there are some themes that, that go through them. We dress them up with pretty quotes from people that are smarter than, than I am. And we say other things that are very important and stuff that we shouldn't ignore. But if you've heard me preach long enough, you recognize there's two sermons. One is that we are fundamentally relational people created in the image of a fundamentally relational God and therefore long for community. And the second is, is when Jesus is asked what is the most important commandment, he tells us to love God and to love neighbor. Now, there are lots of other wonderful things in the Bible, and I, I do love our stories. But at the end of the day, what I wonder is what it would look like if we leaned into our call to be in relationship with God and one another, and if we actually loved God and each other. I'm going to say some other things now. If you catch nothing else, I hope you catch that. Our call to love God and love neighbor. When Jesus is in Jerusalem in this passage of Mark, there's the scribes and the Pharisees, and you get the idea that they're trying to catch him off guard. And they ask him this question, what is the greatest commandment? 
When I read this passage, I begin to wonder if they were hoping that maybe he would say, well, there's these commandments and we rank them pretty highly. And there's these commandments that you follow this way and we rank them pretty highly. But Jesus doesn't do that. He responds with the Shema. Deuteronomy 6, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. See, it's interesting because in this passage in Mark, Jesus is in Jerusalem, and this is the beginning of the end of his earthly ministry, and he's, he's in this debate and in this time. And when he's questioned, I think that maybe they were trying to corner him, but he doesn't allow himself to be cornered. He responds with that which is fundamental and foundational to who we are as people. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I'm excited about Thanksgiving this week. I love to eat. That's apparent by looking at me. Um, it is one of my favorite things to do. But Thanksgiving is also one of those times that is extremely difficult as well at times. When we face Thanksgiving, we face the opportunity to remember once again the ways that we are blessed in this world and to be thankful for those things to be thankful for our families and our friends and food to eat and a table to gather around and the fact that we are safe and secure and warm, we have an opportunity to be thankful. I read one study that said that, the added, that an attitude or a posture of gratitude has better physical, gives us a better physical response and exercise. Now, there are probably doctors in the room that may disagree with me. My doctor probably disagrees with me. However, I love that idea. The fact that me being thankful, that us being thankful offers us the opportunity to change who we are physiologically in a positive way. At the same time when we face Thanksgiving, we face the opportunity uh, to remember. Sometimes in sadness, um, place settings at the table that are empty this year that maybe weren't last year. Place settings at the table that maybe been empty for several years, and it's not easy. We also have those wonderful family discussions around topics that are not easy to talk about. There's always I, in my family the uncle that wants to bring up politics or religion, and ask me what I think about religion because I'm a pastor, and it's always fun. I think it very appropriate that we read this particular passage this week, heading into Thanksgiving, thinking about what it means to be thankful and living that out through a posture of love and God, love of God and love of neighbor. The word gratitude comes from the Latin root gratia, which means grace. Gratitude is grace. Grace is love. Love is grace, a gift freely given first and foremost to each of us so that we may also be thankful and share grace. I hope that we have the opportunity this week to live into that posture in our families and in our lives. I wanna talk about a couple ways of thinking about this idea of love and God, love of God and love of neighbor. The idea of loving God is something that is foundational to who we are as Christians, who we are as followers, but the idea of being loved or loving God is a two-way street. Now think about this relationally. When you're in a relationship with someone, that is not a one-way dynamic. 
What I wonder about when I think about this idea of loving God is how often do we as folks, even though we know God loves us, sometimes we just don't maybe believe it. Or we think, how can God love me? What if this week when we're being thankful or we're trying to be thankful, we're trying to live into what it means to be thankful in this world, we took a moment and we paused with this idea of love of God, that loving God is a two-way act. It's an act of receiving the love of God in our lives, recognizing that you are beautifully and wonderfully made and that God loves you. Yeah, I know, we've all messed up. We've all hurt ourselves and others. We have. And God loves us. God loves you. What if a posture of thankfulness is a posture of reception, of receiving again anew that love of God this week? One of the things that Thanksgiving offers, I think, some of us is a, is a day to pause. That's a day that we don't have to work. Our schedules are a little different. We maybe have a little more space this week. We have a little bit of uh, maybe turkey coma in the afternoon. What would it look like for you to take a moment or some moments this week and pause and to receive God's love again? I don't know about you, but sometimes when I haven't seen somebody in a long time or there's someone, and you know this person, the person that's the, the hugger, um, I am that person in my family. Um, Annie is not the hugger in our family <laughs> But sometimes when someone comes up to give us a hug, we have that moment where we kind of tense. Do y'all know what I'm talking about, some of you? Yeah. I think that sometimes we do that with God's love. God, God's there with open arms and leans in and we tense up just a little. I wonder what it would look like on this week of Thanksgiving to take a pause and gratitude and receive again that love. Jesus, when he talks about love of God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, simultaneously doesn't skip a beat and says, love of neighbor as ourselves. Sometimes loving each other is hard. But I think this idea, this two-way love of God, this reciprocal loving God actively in our lives and also receiving the love of God informs part of what it means uh, to love our neighbors as ourselves. Because we see in, this, in the world that we live in now that sometimes, um, sometimes we have a hard time loving ourselves. So if we were to love our neighbors as ourselves, one of the first acts of loving our neighbors as ourselves is rightly loving ourselves, receiving the love of God and recognizing that you are beautifully and wonderfully made. You are God's beloved. You are God's beloved. What would it look like to take just a moment this week, moment next week, a moment in your lives to receive, in our lives to receive this love 
And then in receiving this love, living it out. So part of my, my work um, has to do with Missional Wisdom Foundation, which is a national Methodist organization, and we, we help folks start new things and, and think differently about the church, and that's allowed me to come back and be here at Central, and it's such a gift for me to be able to, to, to have a family and a local congregation that we love and, and to be here, and then to also kind of have this like other foot in, in where the church is going and, and think about that. And the last three weeks has been a real intense season for Missional Wisdom Foundation, of training, and, and we train folks and, and do workshops around uh, spiritual direction and uh, uh, life coaching. And in the last three weeks, we've been doing um, training around leadership coaching. Now, who's familiar with coaching as a posture? Anybody? You gotta, like, yeah, thank you, Bishop. I appreciate that. So, a couple folks. So, when I le- first learned about coaching about four years ago, what I thought coaching was was a coach was someone that an organization hired for an employee that needed to improve so that they had the leverage to fire that employee. <laughs> That's how I understood coaching. It was like a last-ditch effort, a last resort in order to help somebody improve on their job. Now, what I have since found in studying about coaching is that coaching is a non-directive leadership posture where we offer active listening to the coachee so that the person in their context, who is the expert in their context, through good questions, might unlock that which they have inside them in order to move forward in their work. Say one more time. Leadership coaching is a posture of active listening and non-directive leadership to offer a listening ear and active questions so that a person who is the expert in their context might unlock what is within them in order to move forward. In the last three weeks of Help Folks, we, we talk about postures of listening and, and great questions and, and ways that you can do this in a way that's really helpful, how to not insert yourself in someone else's story. We've done workshops on this. But the one thing that we talk over and over again in these leadership coaching training workshops is that the very most important aspect of coaching is listening. And what I began to wonder in, in the last three weeks thinking about this sermon is if what, what if love of God and neighbor, what if love of neighbor centers around this idea of listening well to each other? It's not the only way, but what if that's a really important part of listening well? And then I got to thinking about Thanksgiving, and I got to think about sitting around the table with some of my cousins and um, what that means for me and what that might mean for some of you with someone you haven't seen in a while and what it means to listen well. Do you know that 75% of the time when we're listening, we're distracted as people? 75% of the time when we're listening, we're distracted. Do you know that only 2% of Americans have some kind of training in active listening? Do you know the number one reason that we say that marriages and or friendships fail is because poor communication? Listening. Listening so that we might hear the person that we're trying to love. Listening so that we might love well those who we come in contact with. One of the things that I heard over and over in the workshops the last couple weeks was that, you know, you're right, I I don't remember the last time I listened well or was listened to. It's something that we long for as people to be seen and known. I think that's why it's so important that Jesus came in flesh 
incarnate in the world is so that we might see and be seen and know and be known by God in flesh. Jesus listened well when he heard the question, what is the greatest commandment? He could have answered so many ways, but he boiled it down to, like Rob says, the, the little bit of coffee in the bottom that's left. That, that which is so crucial to who we are. I don't know about you all, but sometimes when I listen and I'm not doing such a great job listening, I'm already thinking about what I'm going to say before the person's finished. Sometimes when I'm listening, I'm listening because I'm creating some story in my mind and not actually hearing the story of the person that is talking to me. When we are listened to well, we feel the love that is being shared to us because we are seen by the person that is listening and they see us as beloved. When we see someone as beloved, we listen and have the opportunity to listen well. Mary Oliver, when she talks about how she writes her poems and walks through the woods and attempts to listen to the world around her, she says she's listening convivially. She's listening with conviviality. What if we saw the opportunity to listen to our friends and our family and our neighbors and our coworkers and the folks we meet on the street as something that is a joyful act in the world? What if that is foundational to what it me means to love our neighbors as ourselves? As I thought about Thanksgiving week, I wondered what it might look like for me in thinking about loving God and loving neighbor to take time and to sit in the presence and the love of God for me. What it would look like for you to do that. And then I thought, you know what? What would it look like for my family and my friends if I looked in their eyes and I listened well? I said to them by my posture of listening that you are valued. What would our world look like if we took that kind of posture each day with our friends and our families, our neighbors and our coworkers? I want to end with two final thoughts. They're, they're kind of two kind of throwaway lines. Not, not throwaway lines. That's not the right way to say it. But they're, they're kind of lines that can be missed in this passage at the end. Uh, one is... This is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. That's how the scribe responded to what Jesus had said. So that's an interesting thing for this the scribe to say because what is it he is acknowledging, what the person is acknowledging is that Jesus' talk about love of God and love of neighbor. And then as we find out later in the story, Jesus' demonstration of sacrifice of himself for his friends and his neighbors, for those that he loves, for all of humanity, is a demonstration of, of sacrifice. It's more important than all the whole burnt offerings, the sacrifice of love that Jesus demonstrates to us, the sacrifice of loving others well that he demonstrates to us, the call that he puts upon our lives to live into that love that was the sacrifice that he gave. And then the final, final sentence of the passage says this. 
After that, no one dared to ask him any questions. I've often wondered why no one asked him questions. Were there just no questions to ask? Were they so settled upon the answer that they were okay? Had they listened well and really in that moment heard what Jesus was saying? I don't really know the answer. Um, I, I just find it fascinating. I also find it fascinating that this passage, that this place in Mark is right before the plot for Jesus to be, for Jesus to be killed. I wonder if maybe that no one asked questions because Jesus was so confident in that moment or, or maybe he was so humble in that moment. I think the question that, that maybe was asking, being asked by the folks that were listening is, can I live this out? Are these commandments, are these commandments with which Jesus says all the commandments rest on, are these commandments that I can follow? each day. Friends, I hope, I pray that you have a wonderful Thanksgiving this week. I pray it's a time where you can reflect upon things that are blessings and, and, and be thankful for the ways that you are blessed in this world. I, find, I hope you find a place around a table to feel God's love with friends and family. I hope that you will find a place this week. I hope we find this and are able to live this out each week where you can feel and experience the love of God renewed again each day. Part of loving God is receiving the love that God gives to each of us. And I pray that you'll love your neighbors as yourself by listening well. Simply being present and recognizing that God loves each of us immensely. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. You're invited if you uh, were able to bring some food this morning for the food march to bring it forward during the final hymn. And, and I remind you, if there's some folks that can help tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock, our, uh, our sorters could use some help tomorrow morning. Let us stand and sing.